Hi, and welcome to Grief Talk, the podcast where we talk about grief. I'm Sarah, and I'm joined here with my lovely co-host and sister, Susanna. Hello. Suze, how's it going? It's going well. Um, I hope you're doing well, too. I doing great. I feel like I have a question I want to ask you. Okay. Um, and I'm excited to hear it. I, do, I have not heard the question yet. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not going to like drop a bomb or anything. Great. I'm just curious. Okay. Um, and even though, you know, we are, you know, at least a month and a half into the new year, mm-hmm. I want to know what are your thoughts or what is your take on New Year's resolutions? Not necessarily in the form of, diet culture because we know that we have strong feelings have very strong feelings about diet culture and Mm -hmm. we'll fight that fight but just in general what are your thoughts because I feel like there are either two camps there's one camp that is all 40 years resolutions and then there's another camp that absolutely cannot stand it so which camp are you in I love this question and you know what's so funny is I was actually I was leaving my house this morning uh, going to a meeting and I thought about a New Year's resolution I had had last year and one I have this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great to have personal goals. You know, that's fine. Uh, how about this? I'll share with you some New Year's resolutions I have had and maybe that'll give you a good idea of where I fall. Okay. Uh, one year I had a New Year's resolution to finish an entire tube of chapstick <laughs> and I did it. And I didn't even lose it. And I was really That's proud incredible. of myself. It was really incredible. <laughs> um, last year, well, actually one year I had a New Year's resolution to read a book every month. And okay. I did. That's a good one. Uh, so they're more like goals, like something I want to achieve or accomplish. And obviously they're not groundbreaking. <laughs> I don't know. The tube of chapstick, like that one's pretty groundbreaking because I've, I've never done that. I mean, yeah. I was like, how many tubes of chapstick do I have? And I've never finished one. What was it like? It was really strange and I like, I mean, it was really beat up by the time it was, it was done. I'm going to be honest. And it was kind of, um, it wasn't as fulfilling as I hoped it would be, Mm, but you did it. I did it. And I felt very accomplished. Yeah. I think I was more proud of myself that I didn't lose it than the fact that I actually finished it. So last year, my new year's resolution, um, was to leave on time. I remember that. I think I told you about that. So it's more, I feel less like New Year's resolutions as like a um, achievement and more of a personal goal or boundary. Mm -hmm. So leaving on time for me was like a personal boundary I wanted to make because Mm -hmm. I usually arrive places on time, but I, I get so frantic and stressed and I sleep until the very last minute. And so I made up my mind that I was going to leave on time for things. Yeah. And I've gotten better about it. That's for sure. Yeah. It was just something that bothered me about myself. And I realized, oh, I can change. This year, I I can't remember if I've told you about this or not. I don't know. I told a a mentor of mine about this and she was like, that's not a New Year's resolution. That's you being like an integrated person and having a great personal boundary. Okay. Is to order my food how I want it. Yes. Okay. I didn't realize this was a quote unquote resolution. Yeah. It's my version of a resolution. Sure. So, uh, you know, for our listeners, if they don't know this, um, I try to be as low maintenance and as agreeable and as agreeable as possible. So, uh, one way that I do that in my life is when I go to a restaurant, I will order the food exactly as it comes. I do not ever change (laughs) <laughs> what's on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if I order a salad and it has tomatoes and like maybe I don't really feel like having a tomato, I will not ask them to take the tomatoes You'll just off. pick it off. I will just pick it off. 
I'll eat around it. Like, and, um, you know, I pay, I mean, I work too hard for my paychecks to go to a restaurant and order food. That's not how I like it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's no reason that I live my life like that. Yeah. And I did it for the first time, probably halfway through January. I went to a Mexican restaurant and I, I changed something about the food and how it came. I wanted, I wanted nachos. This is going to sound really weird. I wanted nachos, but I wanted the chips on the side so that I could take them home and it wouldn't be all soggy and gross. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I was so kind of scared to ask the guy. I was like, um, can I like have the chips not on the plate, like on another plate? And he was like, yeah, no problem. And I was shocked that this guy was like totally so cool low maintenance. That. So, um, so my my take on New Year's resolutions is a very long winded answer. Is um, you know, they're great. They don't change your personal worth and value as a human. And yeah. I think it's great to have integrated goals and boundaries as a person. I like I like that phrasing, integrated goals. Mm. I think that that's great. And that's my very psychology. Uh, no, I love it. <laughs> I, it. I mean, it makes sense. And I, I think this also just kind of harks back to the conversation we were having, you know, prior to when we started recording this afternoon about, you know, like giving something more power than it actually needs. Yes. You know, yeah. and that's not to say like I'm anti-resolution. I mean, I, I have my own resolutions, but it's mm-hmm. kind of like yours where my resolution in college one year was to just maintain, you know, decent clean fingernails like whether they're painted or not because I didn't have money to go get manicures yeah so that was my and it was it ended up just being a really great like self-care ritual yeah um where I would you know file my nails and paint them or you know whatever but um yeah that's interesting interesting. so then what's your take how do you feel well I mean I think I'm kind of falling in the same camp as you where okay, great. Have a resolution. Don't like, or Mm -hmm. you can, you can start anytime you want. Like it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be January one, but I understand the significance of that too, you know, but also I I don't know. I, I could talk about this and it obviously has nothing to do with grief. So I was just really curious. That's a great question. You know, where, where you fall Mm -hmm. with that. And I know that that is such a random question, but I just, I'm so intrigued because I find that when I ask people or when I have asked people in the past, I either get a very passionate answer, like, yes, these are my resolutions. And typically it has to do with losing weight. And then Mm -hmm. I just hit my head against a wall. Yes. Um, or God forbid doing whole 30 in January, like, please don't just don't do it. Um, here I go. Diet culture. (sighs) Um, (laughs) after we literally talked about this for probably an hour, we started recording. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, or I get a very combative result about why resolutions are not good and anti-resolution and, and, you know, whatever. So I just think it's really interesting to see, you know, what people say. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Mm, I agree. I just think it's a a very interesting opinion that people are allowed to have. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, So today we're going to talk a little bit about grief support. Yeah, shifting Uh, gears. Shifting (laughs) gears a little bit. Thank you for our little intro. Uh, So today we're going to speak a little bit more towards the people who are in practical ways loving on and caring for grieving people, Um, especially in earlier grief. But um, we'll we'll talk about a couple different points here. So there's um, really three kind of sections that we want to go through um, and 
anyway, so if you are someone who knows a person who's grieving, whether they just lost their person or a while ago, uh, this episode is for you. If you are a grieving person listening and people are asking you how they can help, you can feel free to send them a link to this episode and maybe they can find something in there that can help them. Help and this you. could be a great resolution for them. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yes. And, and we all learn too. And I think that in saying, you know, this is not, these are not like hard and fast rules. These right. are definitely suggestions. These are things that either really worked well for us or things we wish we had, um, especially walking through the early grief. Um, and I know like, for me personally, this is Susanna, like now I know how to better care for yes. someone who is grieving. Um, unfortunately, because I've been on the other side, I've been the griever. Um, and I will admit, you know, prior to Leland passing away, I wasn't the best grief support. I didn't understand, but hopefully this episode will provide some understanding Especially to those people that um, maybe have never been through a loss before yeah. or have just had a completely different experience. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, you want to go ahead and jump in with that first one? Yeah. I'll go ahead and um, actually, why don't you start with the first sure. one yeah. and then we can go back, back and forth. That sounds great. Okay. So, the first suggestion that we have and just kind of a principle to keep in mind is to stay in your lane. Uh, so basically, this is if the family um, who is grieving has any boundaries, uh, we want to encourage you to honor those. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times when somebody passes away, um, the family will make specific requests like, um, you know, in lieu of flowers to donate to a memorial fund or a charity or even requests about attire at the funeral mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, there's there's lots of different specific requests that they can that they can have. And uh, we just want to say that family knows best. Mm -hmm. They know what's best in their situation. And even if you feel like maybe you know better or, um, you know, well, flowers are the traditional thing to do and I want to get them flowers, so I'm going to get them flowers. You know, they know best and let's let's honor them and, you know, stay stay in your lane and know um, kind of what is what is being asked of you. And they're making those requests for a reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, it, it means a lot when those requests are respected. Absolutely. Um, and, and followed. Yeah. You know, even if it makes absolutely no sense to you, that's yes. okay. It doesn't have to make sense for you. Yeah. You know, and it can be really courageous to ask for things in that time too, to kind yeah. of set those boundaries and say, this is our request. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that can be a difficult thing to do. And so it's, it's a great way to care for people is to honor their, their requests. Yeah. yeah. Um, another thing to keep in mind is, uh, you know, be mindful of what kind of relational circle you fall into in relationship with the family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of think about the different relationships you can have with whoever is grieving. Are you uh, an immediate or a, maybe an extended family member? Maybe you're a coworker and you see that person every day. Maybe you're an acquaintance. Maybe you work friends in college, but you're, you're not really close anymore. And just be mindful of, you know, where you are there. And, I just want to say, and I'm going to say this as kindly and lovingly as I can, a time right after someone has lost a person is not a good time to reconnect or get close. Yeah. And we can feel a draw to do that because obviously it makes us kind of realize our own mortality. But 
I want to encourage you to, you know, give them a little bit of time, give them some space to heal, let them know that you're thinking about them. And then if you're interested in reconnecting with somebody, it's okay to do that after they've, you know, had a little bit of time um, just to re-enter yeah. into everyday life. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I saw this really awesome post once about this idea that, um, if you kind of think of a bullseye, like there's circles of people and in the middle of the circle is the immediate people who lost the loved one. And then in the next circle is extended family and close friends, like people you talk to every day. Mm-hmm. Then in the next circle is acquaintances. And then the next circle, you know, it just kind of goes on and on out until it's people who are just further and further away from whoever passed away. Right. And the idea is to, you know, the further in the circle you go, you need to be comforting those people. But if you have opinions or um, if you have anything to say that might not be super helpful, it's okay to dump those things, but dump them outside of the circle. Don't dump them further into the circle. Right. So I hope that makes sense. But basically it's, you know, if you're dealing with people who are closer than you are to the person who passed away, that's a place for you to comfort. Right. You know, giving your own opinions venting that's a good thing to do with people who are either further outside of the circle or mm, not in the counseling room to, <laughs> yeah the circle uh, so anyway just just be mindful of where you fall in and those circles that is comfort in dump out comfort in dump out it's a great visual to have right. too yes. and you introduced that concept to me um recently mm-hmm. i'd never heard of it before but it, it makes again complete sense a lot of sense yeah all righty um if you want to talk about the next one about gifts. Yes. So the next way um, that you can really support someone is to uh, a grieving person is to really consider what gifts you have. Mm-hmm. And you can offer gifts that, you know, are in the traditional sense. And then you can offer gifts that might not fall into that traditional sense of gift giving. But um, we we definitely have some examples here. So um, the first one is... Um, just a really precious gift that I actually received. Um, this is Susanna, one of my coworkers, uh, back when I was living in Chattanooga, um, you know, we weren't super close. I mean, we follow each other on Instagram and, um, you know, we would talk and, you know, exchange pleasantries and stuff. And she, she's a very, very kind hearted girl. Um, but around Christmas time, so Leland passed away in October. So around Christmas, this was a couple months later, I was back at work, you know, just trying to figure out what life was um she came to my desk and gave me a gift and again we weren't super close but um very kind girl and she had actually asked one of her friends who I didn't know um to sketch who was a a great artist to sketch a photo of me and Leland and so she actually went to I guess probably either my Instagram or Facebook and found a picture of me and Leland, gave it to her artist friend. Her artist friend sketched it and she gave it to me. And that was just such a kind gift. And it's a beautiful um, sketch. And I got it professionally matted and framed. And um, I've hung it up every place I've lived (laughs) since then because it just represents um, a really precious memory that I have with Leland. And it also represents that like, here's my big brother, you know, um, he's still my big brother. And so, um, it, it was just so kind and she didn't try to fix anything. She didn't try to, you know, um, gloss over anything. I just thought that it was such a kind hearted 
thing to do in something that I totally wasn't expecting. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't given to me immediately when I returned. Yeah. You know, that kind of goes to what you were saying, Sarah, about, you know, just kind of give it some time. If you want to get close to someone, just give it a little bit of breathing room, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. If you want to get close to the grieving person, um, I think that this coworker did that, um, in a very beautiful way, in a very respectful way too. Yeah, I agree. It's a really beautiful um, yeah. drawing as it's, well. It's very special. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So the next one is, um, it's actually another artistic, um, gift, but we have a family friend who, um, is a very talented artist and she actually, um, painted the, um, flower arrangement that was on Leland's casket. Um, and I mean, it's just this beautiful, I mean, obviously she didn't include the casket in the painting, but it's just this beautiful arrangement of the most vibrant, lively flowers. Like mm-hmm. if Leland were a flower arrangement, like yeah, <laughs> that would be it. Yeah. Um, and so she painted that and it is hanging in our parents' house. And you know, if you were to come in our house and see that picture, you'd think, well, those are pretty flowers. And yeah. You might not think anything of it, but I think for my parents and I think for the siblings, it obviously represents, you know, Leland and how much we love him. And um, that was that was a really special yeah. gift, too. Yeah. And, you know, having something like that in your home is sweet, too, in my opinion, because we already think about him every day. Right. It's not like we're going to walk past and remember, oh, oh yeah, our brother died. You know, mm-hmm. we, we already know that we feel that we feel the depths of the grief. And so mm-hmm. to see that it's just, I don't know, to me, that's what it looks like to hold space for grief is right. to, you know, have a visual reminder of the, of the person, even a physical, a physical reminder of yeah. our grief. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, another, uh, gift, this one is a little more non-traditional maybe, or unconventional, whatever way you want to look at it but one of our other family friends um just a few days after Leland had passed away um I think this was before the visitation and funeral yeah it was um she I think has a certification in massage therapy um and is very talented and so she actually has a massage table a portable one she brought it over to my parents house where we were all staying and just hungering down and um she also brought some oils and she offered to give any of us massages and it was it might sound weird but like until you experience just the detrimental effects like physical effects of grief and how your body really does just get beat up by grief um intense and sore um that was an incredible gift it was from her it was a gift I didn't even know I needed exactly exactly and I think some of us opted out of Mm -hmm. getting the massage um I got it and it was great because she and she also has a very calming presence too and (laughs) she didn't try to talk to us you know yeah um while we were getting our massage or anything, but that was, that was a really kind, really thoughtful gift. Yeah. And if you're a grieving person, that might even be something you could ask for. If somebody says, you know, how can I help? Can I bring you something? You could say, could you schedule me a massage? <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. can you recommend somebody like that's a great way to practice self-care yeah. um, for your physical body too. Yeah. Um, another one, meal trains. Um, for us, you know, we were very fortunate that 
someone set up a meal train for yeah. us. Um, and we actually had meals pretty much through the end of the year. Yeah, I think into January. Yeah. So for three, two, three months. Which was incredible yeah. and um, very generous. And that's the last thing, you know, we had to think about was feeding ourselves because there was always another meal coming, which was great. It was nice for me and you too. (laughs) I mean, it was nice for me because I could take some stuff back with me to college Mm -hmm. or you could take some stuff back to Chattanooga if you were visiting. So that was, that was really sweet too. Exactly. Uh, I also had a friend who, um, drove me to counseling the first Mm -hmm. time because I I think I shared on the story the episode about my story that um I went and saw my counselor two days after we um, found out that Leon had passed away and I didn't feel comfortable driving I didn't feel comfortable driving for um, a little over a month after he passed away but um somebody just drove me to counseling and that was a really sweet way that they cared for me that was a really kind way they cared for you Sarah um another one um our neighbor, we had a neighbor show up and he mowed our yard and pulled our weeds. And that, again, was very practical. My parents didn't have to worry about that. And he just did it quietly, didn't seek attention. And um, that was just really, really meaningful. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I'm going to do one more here. Sure. Um, I think this one, honestly, is like... <laughs> The most important, but uh, for the support person, but to set a reminder in your calendar for milestones or important dates um, for the grieving person. So, like, one thing that's really important to me is that people don't forget. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I understand that, like, we all live busy lives, but they're not that busy, you yeah. know, and I don't want to have to remind someone via an Instagram post that today's the day that my brother died yeah. five years ago. Yeah. You know, because then I get all the texts where, oh, I'm thinking about you. Were you, were you thinking about me before I posted this? Or was this a a gentle reminder? Well, the great thing is you can set those reminders without someone having to post an Instagram. And I actually personally have a couple of reminders in my calendar and um, I don't care if it sounds morbid, but I have a couple of, and you know, they're, they're coded in a certain way to where I know, okay, today is the anniversary of a dear friend's um, father passing away, mm-hmm. I know I'm going to reach out to her and let her know that I am thinking of her, that she doesn't feel like she is alone on mm-hmm. that day, even though it's been several years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never get over that. You never forget the date. Um, or birthdays too, birthdays, yeah. you know, it really, I think for, for me personally, I can only speak for myself, but as Susanna, but like Leland's birthday and really <laughs> the you know the day that he passed away like those are so important and I just don't want people to forget because obviously I'm not going to forget those dates but it's just really nice to know you know when I get a a text or a call from someone on those days where like I haven't posted anything on social media that person has has remembered and that means so much to me and it's I think it's almost like a, a respect thing too. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but it just shows that like, not that like if you don't reach out, you don't care, but like, man, that just means a lot. Yeah. It's a really easy way to show somebody how much you care about them and that mm-hmm. you're paying attention to them. I also want to encourage people, like support people similar to how I said about having the painting in your house. You know, if you text someone on the six month anniversary of their person dying, you're not going to remind them 
yeah that they died they're not gonna forget they're not they haven't forgotten and it's not oh if i text them that's gonna upset them they already miss their person yeah they already remember that they died they already think about that person every single day and you reaching out is a way to say hey i'm here with you I'm just with you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to order them flowers. You don't have to order. You know, it doesn't have, it doesn't to, be have to be a grand gesture. Exactly. It can just be a, I'm thinking about you today mm-hmm. on, you know, so-and-so's 27th birthday. Mm-hmm. Just want you to know that I love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also doesn't have to be on an exact milestone. If you yeah. just for yourself want to make sure you don't forget. I mean, I personally put everything in my calendar, mm-hmm. including, you know, hey, text this person about their mom's having surgery on that day or whatever. Right. Just so that I don't forget. And so it's a great way to just, you know, leave yourself a reminder. Yeah. I think that's a, a sweet thing to do. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, the last thing we wanted to say here, uh, the last little principle is to check your expectations of grieving people. Uh, I think especially in Susanna, you and I have talked about this a little bit. Our culture kind of, we have these expectations of grieving people. We have a way that we socially have set a standard of grief. It's like a process. Yes. And, and it's not as easy as like rinse and repeat. Like definitely no. <laughs> not. It is not, it's not linear. It's not the same for everybody. It's really different for everybody. So here's a couple of things that we want to um, encourage you to consider the expectations for. Um, one is for crying. So uh, yeah. sometimes grieving people cry and sometimes they cry at times that don't make any sense at all. I know that I have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, actually I'll share this um have you ever seen the movie Hot Rod? No. Do you know I the movie I'm talking about? It's with Andy Samberg yes. and Bill Hader and all these. Bill Hader reminds me of Leela, me by the too. way. Me too. Okay. I'm so glad that you said that because you'll understand this. Oh, my God. Me. I. Oh, my okay. gosh. The first time I had ever seen Hot Rod uh, was before <laughs> Leland died. <laughs> this is just one of those things. And then when I went, to, I went back to college, he had passed away and I was watching I was hanging out with my roommates and they mm-hmm. were like we should watch a movie let's watch a funny you know I was like I only ever wanted to see anything that was funny yeah you just want to laugh I just want to laugh I have cried enough sad too things yes or not too much you've just cried a lot enough yeah I don't need to watch something that's sad I have enough sadness in my own life totally okay <laughs> should probably talk to my counselor about that no this was, anyway. this was then this was how you were feeling anyway and so I was like hey this movie's really funny let's watch hot run Bill Hader has always reminded me of Leland. Yes. Always. I'm so glad you said that. And so um, we turned on the movie and I just started crying. (laughs) Yeah. Watching Hot Rod. And um, I mean, it's about as silly and stupid of a movie that you can possibly I mean, Andy Samberg's in it. So can't be that serious. Absolutely. (laughs) Jake Peralta. And um, and it it made me cry. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm watching a movie where somebody's brother died and so I'm going to cry. No, I can watch Hot Rod and cry because it brings up my grief. Yeah. Um, so grieving people can cry at weird times is what I'm trying to say. Um, and you know, don't ever tell them not to cry. Don't ever, ever, ever say. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't ever, I mean, just no. don't say that. I know Susanna <laughs> said we're giving a lot of suggestions, not you don't have to do this. No, 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 don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, also grieving people might not cry. And um, nothing's broken with them. There's nothing wrong with them. It does not mean that they're not sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people, grieving people, don't cry at their person's funeral. Yeah. And what you don't see at that funeral is 
the days, the weeks, sometimes months and years of that person has been sick mm-hmm. of tears that they've shed mm-hmm. um, over just grieving, you know, what they knew was coming mm-hmm. or, you know, immediately finding out that their person had passed away. So, you know, just if you're expecting a grieving person to cry at these, you know, kind of times that make sense and, you know, okay, well, they shouldn't cry a year after or whatever, just go ahead and let go of those expectations and, and just release those. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is that, that, you know, sometimes grieving people's emotional expression may or may not reflect um, their inward feelings or even your inward feelings. Another good example, you know, the hot rod is another good example of that. Mm-hmm. My emotional expression in that moment was tears mm-hmm. and it was a funny movie. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't probably reflect what somebody else would feel when they watch that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mom and dad have some stories of, of um, some of the just really sad things that they had to do um, in, in just preparing for the funeral and things. And they have one story that's kind of funny. And I won't share it because I wasn't there and it's their story. But, um, you know, it was just a funny moment of them trying to choose a place to bury Leland. Yeah. Do you know the thing I'm talking about? Yeah. And, you know, it's not funny. Burying your child is not funny. Right. But they had a moment that was funny. And, yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. It it's doesn't mean that okay. there wasn't the deepest sadness yes. imaginable. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, if you're that person and you're, you know, <laughs> helping somebody make these horrible decisions and there's something that funny, you know, funny that happens, it's okay if they laugh. Mm-hmm. It's really okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I want to say is, you know, don't, don't expect a response from a grieving person. Uh, if you text them, I really want to encourage you not to ask a question. Uh, because we we don't want grieving people to feel like they're obligated to respond. Mm-hmm. They probably already feel like they're at a loss for words and aren't really sure what to say, period. Mm-hmm. And so to ask them questions can just, it can just be overstimulating and th- they've already been asked to do some really hard things. They're probably already on a loop of dysregulation anyway. Yes. Um, so yeah. yeah, and if you are a grieving person, just know that this is your, um, you know, not that you need permission, but this is just to let you know, you don't have to respond to everything. Yeah. We live in a society nowadays where we are so easily accessible, um, 24 seven, you know, whether that's through social media, calling, texting, emailing, it is incredibly overstimulating. And we're just taught that that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I literally like, <laughs> that's a boundary with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you, you know, feel like you're being bombarded by calls, texts, whatever, just know you don't have to answer immediately. Yeah. You don't have to answer ever. You know, you, you can answer when, you know, even if it's a couple days later, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. 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 I think that's a really good reminder. And, you know, just keep in mind as a support person, we want to do anything that we can to just comfort people. Yeah. Comforting doesn't always look like a hug. Sometimes it looks like donating to a charity instead of getting flowers mm-hmm. or, you know, laughing when they laugh mm-hmm. or getting them a Kleenex when they cry. Totally. Just can look different ways. Totally. Well, um, that is Grief Support 101. 
there will be a quiz later. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. But if you if you are listening to this and maybe you have other suggestions of ways that um, we can support grieving people, feel free to reach out to us. We would love oh, to yeah. hear from this you. This is just Sarah and I drawing on personal experience. Exactly. You know, and and you know, there are certainly so many other experiences out there that are completely different. Um, and you know, there are people that are wired completely different yes. and things that might've been really helpful for them, um, that we didn't talk about. Um, and again, these are just suggestions. They're not hard and fast rules, but hopefully they're helpful. And I mean, also this is just a reminder that we need support people. Yes. Support people are so important, um, to a griever. And, uh, we understand that none of us are perfect. And I mean, heck I'm still learning, even though I'm, technically a griever I'm also a support person for certain people too and like their situations are completely different and so I'm trying to you know navigate okay what would this look like for this friend you know how can I try to best support her and recognize that she might need different things than what I needed um and so again just know you're not perfect we're not perfect there's a lot of grace but hopefully this can help kind of create maybe a little more of a, a roadmap or give you more structure yeah. um, with what it what could truly be helpful. Yeah. You know, Susan, I want to say one more thing. I was talking to mom today about just our expectations for people, you know, for other people mm-hmm. when we're grieving. And somebody had said something to her that they didn't mean for it to be hurtful, but it just kind of came across um, just kind of careless about grief. And how what I told her was this because she was asking like well I can't you know can I really expect that much out of somebody who hasn't gone through grief themselves and I want to say this as a grieving person I do not expect people who have not lost somebody close to them like I have to relate to me right but I do I do think it's okay for me to expect them to be sensitive to me. Oh, 100%. And I think there's a big difference there. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not going to just, you know, correct people about everything they say or, you know, obviously I'm going to have to do the the personal work, the emotional work, hopefully the counseling work mm-hmm. um, to build resilience in myself and mm-hmm. to cope in healthy mm-hmm. ways. But it's okay for me to expect people to be sensitive to me and to my story. Totally. Even if... They haven't lost a brother or a parent. You can still be respectful. Yes. Yeah. So just know these these things that we're outlining, the ways that you can support grieving people, we're not expecting you to do anything perfectly. And this even, is definitely not a criticism either. Absolutely. And it's not, not at all. It's not that we're expecting people to be perfect or know exactly what you need. We just are saying grieving people need and deserve your respect and your reverence and your sensitivity to them. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, well said. Thank you. That's all I've got. Um, we have gotten some really sweet messages um, through our website. People have emailed us. Mm-hmm. And they've just been really sweet. And those really encourage us. Um, and in, so. in turn, we hope that we can encourage, you know, the people that have written in Absolutely. Um, with our responses. And so if you're listening, know that I think about, this is Susanna, like everyone that's like submitted something through our website, like I think about you guys and I'm carrying you and your grief that you're personally walking through. Like I'm carrying that in my heart and you know, I, I think about each of you, even though I don't know you guys and (laughs) I, I I don't know. I just, it's, it's It's very, it's a very precious, um, way to connect. And so just know that 
you know, it's not just a shot in the dark. Like we read those things. I, we read them. And then I think about you guys. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you ever have anything to say, uh, we would love to hear from you. You can write it on our website, grieftalkpodcast.com. And uh, you can follow us along on Instagram at grief talk. And uh, we're glad that you're here. We're really sorry that you're here, but mm-hmm. we want to say thanks for coming and thanks for listening. Thanks guys.